The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you here with me today. I have Dr. Karina Sarakisa back with me. She was on the Missing Link podcast before, but that time we were talking about pelvic floor issues that affects the bowel and bladder systems. Today, we're talking about sexual dysfunction. Karina is a physical therapist and board certified in pelvic health physical therapy, and she's been treating clients for over 15 years. Karina and I met at the 2021 annual MS conference, where she was giving a lecture on evaluating and treating pelvic floor conditions in multiple sclerosis. And as soon as she started talking, I just realized that she has the unique ability to talk about bladder and bowel and sexual dysfunction in a way that feels comfortable and normal, which is very rare. I immediately knew that I wanted to have her on as a guest on my podcast so she could educate my listeners on all of these topics as well. I think these topics are so important and not talked about often enough. On today's episode, we talk about various sexual dysfunction symptoms from multiple sclerosis and what you can do to improve your sex life even when your MS symptoms are interfering. Karina, thank you so much for being back with us again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to get into these questions. But before I do, I'd love to ask you another interview deck question to help our listeners get to know you a bit better. Absolutely. All right. Your next question is, if you could be a personal assistant to anyone, who would it be? Oh, my goodness. That is a really good question. So I am obsessed with movies and my favorite series would have to probably be, I would say Star Wars. So if I could be a personal assistant to anybody that's currently directing Star Wars right now or acting in any of the Star Wars or the Mandalorian or anything like that, I'm a big nerd. And so, so that would probably be it just so that I could get all of like the onset secrets and know the storylines ahead of time. <laughs> wow. What a great answer that is. That would definitely be a cool job. Yeah. All right. So for those of you listening, hopefully you have already heard our first episode with Karina, where we went all into pelvic floor therapies and just knowledge information specifically for bowel and bladder. Today, we have a different twist where we're talking about sexual dysfunction. So Karina, my first question for you is, what are some of the sexual dysfunction symptoms that people with MS might be experiencing that should help them think about going to a specialist or at least talking about it with their current doctors? 
Absolutely. So I usually divide this up into males versus females because the different characteristics, it's different depending on if you have a penis or if you have a vulva. So, you know, probably the most common sexual dysfunction in males or people with penises with MS is erectile dysfunction. And it usually doesn't happen right away, right after the first diagnosis. Usually for most men, it comes around 10 years into their diagnosis, they may start to experience those symptoms. And men get erections in two ways. They will get an erection, what we call a psychogenic erection, meaning that they see someone that they are attracted to. And so then they get that reflex erection. And then a physiologic erection. And this is more kind of the erections that men will experience when they wake up in the morning. So that psychogenic erection is one of the first things to kind of be affected by MS. And we're really not sure why, if it's, it's due to lesions in the brain or the spinal cord or the peripheral nerves. But the good news is, is that for either one of those erections, there is medication that can help with that. So, you know, if men are experiencing either the ability to attain or maintain an erection, they should definitely talk to their physician about some of those options. Now for women or people with vulvas, it is a little bit different because there are more symptoms that they may have. And unfortunately there's less treatment options. So one thing that somebody with a vulva might experience is a dryness, vaginal dryness, and that can be due to issues with their MS or issues just with menopause. Another thing that they can experience is actual numbness in the vulvar area, so not feeling anything, and that can obviously be very frustrating and really interfere with sexual functioning. And then pain is another big one that we will see. So tightness in the pelvic floor muscles makes penetration really difficult, and so patients may experience pain either more superficially or deeper with penetration. The other thing people of both genders will experience is just a loss of libido, kind of not really feeling like they want to participate in any sexual activity with their partner. And that can come from a variety of reasons. So fatigue is a big one. If you're tired, sexy time is usually the last thing on your list, right? Spasticity or pain or issues with positioning, all of those things can also play into that lack of sexual drive. So it really de depends on kind of what's going on with your MS and where you are kind of, if you're in the middle of a relapse or if you've just come off of a relapse, all of those things can contribute to, to sexual dysfunction. But if you have any of them, you should definitely talk to your doctor about it. Talk to your neurologist, talk to your PCP. Because I tell people sex is an activity of daily living, doesn't have to be daily, but it's an ADL, just like, you know, brushing your teeth or getting dressed. And so if you're having difficulty with it, you absolutely should talk to somebody about that. So that leads perfectly into my next question, where I'm curious as to what different types of doctors deal with this issue and which is the right one? You know, where does someone start and who should they work with? Yeah, that's a really great question. So as far as telling someone, you can tell, you know, either your, your PCP or your neurologist, if you do have a vulva and you're still getting regular gynecologist checkups, they would be somebody to talk to. 
As far as specialists are concerned, though, so along kind of the male side of things, generally that's going to be dealt with by a urologist. So they will, first of all, usually run some tests like the hormone panel to make sure that you have enough testosterone in your system and that's not contributing to your erectile dysfunction. They might try something like Viagra or Cialis, or there are even surgical procedures if it is bad enough. For women, generally, you're going to be working more with your gynecologist. So they might be prescribing, for instance, if you have the vaginal dryness that I talked about, they may be prescribing estrogen cream or specific lubricants. If it is a nerve issue, they may look and see from a hormone standpoint, if you have enough estrogen in your body or even testosterone, because women have testosterone in our bodies too. Or if it's pain, then they might send you to pelvic floor physical therapy because that's something that we're going to work on. So all of those specialists usually work together in order to address kind of the multifaceted approach needed for sexual dysfunction. Awesome. And again, we did talk about pelvic floor physical therapy in our first episode with Karina. So if you guys do have any questions on that, I'd definitely refer you back to that. I'm curious as to, to get your thoughts on how important core muscles are with sexual dysfunction, but even bowel and bladder, I'm working with a client right now and we are working on core strength. And she reported to me recently that with the improvements in her core, she's noticing improvements with urination, bowel movements, and sexual. What are your thoughts on that? How is that related? Yeah, so it's related a ton. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, we talked about in the last episode, you know, that we do way more than just Kegel exercises. So one thing for, you know, kind of going in from a sexual function standpoint, our pelvic floor muscles contract really strongly when we have an orgasm. And those are assisted by our abdominal muscles. So if our abdominal muscles are weak, it's going to feed into the pelvic floor. It's going to cause weakness there. And it can diminish for both men and women our orgasms or our ability to orgasm. So that's first and foremost. Second of all, our abdominal muscles really help us control pressure. So when you sneeze, you don't want all of that pressure going downward and pushing all of that pee out of your pelvic floor. Okay. So you want to think about pressure management like a pop can or soda can, depending on where you are in the country. But if you have a closed can and you squeeze it a little bit, nothing's going to come out, right? But as soon as you poke a hole somewhere and you squeeze it, liquid is going to come out of that pop can. So we want everything in our pop can to be nice and stable and sturdy to be able to control where pressure is going. So that means we need a nice strong diaphragm and we need to be able to breathe well. We need good abdominal muscles and back muscles. And then we need a good pelvic floor in order to keep that canister nice and sturdy. So doing some core strengthening exercises are always gonna have that nice little side effect of improving bowel bladder and sexual function. Yeah, and I think that paints such a great picture too as to how much is really involved. So many clients that I work with think that pelvic floor issues mean treating just the pelvic floor, but even just working on your core and breathing and probably even stress management, so many different avenues. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all interconnected. And again, that's part of the reason why 
we encourage people to go to physical therapy because we're going to look at all those different pieces. Even though I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, I'm not just looking at your pelvis. I'm looking at your whole body. And that's the difference between going to a PT for something like this and just going to a physician that's kind of going to just hone in on their particular organ. Right, right. So what are some barriers to normal sexual functioning? That's a great question. And I kind of touched on this a little bit, but, you know, fatigue is a huge one. If you're tired, you know, it's going to be really hard to want to initiate any sort of sexual functioning or intimacy with your partner. Pain is a big one, not just pain in the pelvic floor, but pain anywhere else. Generally, people are moving around during intimacy with their partners. And so if you have some hip pain and you, you know, accidentally move that way, it's going to kill the mood pretty quickly. And so that I work a lot with my general neuro PTs as to making sure that their joints can move in the directions they want them to move in the directions they want to be. And if they do have limitations that we're not necessarily going to be able to, to fix with neuro PT, then we're going to modify what positions you might have with your partner in order to be able to be intimate together. Spasticities along those same lines. If you have spasticity, especially in your legs, that can travel its way up to your pelvic floor or cause you to kind of hold your pelvic floor a little bit tighter. And that can either prevent penetration or prevent normal erection. And also the other thing, just on a kind of more psychological and emotional level, is I think a lot of partners I talk to unfortunately get into that like caregiver and patient role and they get out of that partner role, you know, an intimate partner role. So also sometimes that's another practitioner that I forgot to mention is a sex counselor, you know, allowing people to get back to not just seeing their partner as my caregiver or not seeing my partner as this person that I have to take care of. And instead seeing them as their spouse or their intimate partner. Oh yeah. That's so important. All those different areas, you know, it's, it's nice to think that there are so many people out there that can help, you know, it's not just one person. If you can't get an appointment with that one person, then you're out of luck. And it's a sexual functioning, especially is just so multifaceted. There are so many things. And again, even if you, you know, don't have MS or before you were diagnosed with MS, I'm sure there were times where it was less than ideal. You know, you were stressed out from work or the kids are banging on the door, you know, or you're tired or or you're hungry or you're just, you know, you're just like, oh, this is the last thing I want to do right now. So you know that there are a lot of outside influences on sexual functioning, not just physical. And so while we, especially from a pelvic floor standpoint, might be taking care of the physical, I often will need somebody else to help me take care of the emotional and the psychological barriers that that patient is having as well. Yeah. And so each person is obviously very different. And, you know, with MS, as we both know, it can be different each day. Like maybe one day you're experiencing a lot of pelvic floor tightness, whereas another day that tightness is less, but something else is going on. So everyone is different. However, Do you have any exercises or things that people can do at home? And of course, seeing a pelvic floor PT is going to be the first best option. Are there any general things that you could suggest people do at home just to make it more comfortable and doable? 
Yeah. So, I mean, everyone should be doing Kegel exercises to keep that pelvic floor nice and healthy. And, and so that's a big one to make sure that you're doing. The other thing is breathing exercises, making sure that you can really expand that diaphragm when you take in a breath and you can let everything go when you breathe out. And then, you know, if you do have pain or if you do have, let's say, pain in certain positions, so you can't flex your legs up, you know, working with your physical therapist to be able to get some of that hip range of motion, or if you can't get that hip range of motion, thinking about where can I put a pillow or what different position can I lay in that will be more comfortable for me to do this. Awesome. Yeah. I've heard of some clients stretching for 30 minutes, their sexual life is more planned because of some of these symptoms. So they will plan when they're going to have sex and about 30 minutes before she'll go into the room, she'll stretch out so that she feels more prepared. Yeah. I mean, I tell people we stretch before we run a marathon and sometimes sex can be that same marathon. So you should stretch before and after sex exercise is what I call it. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Do you have any other tips or comments that you feel might be helpful on this topic? You know, I think number one is just feeling comfortable talking to your provider about it and thinking about what the specific issue is. You don't have to get into all the dirty details with your provider, but saying, you know, it has been more painful for me to have intercourse or I don't want to have intercourse because I'm worried about leaking. I'm worried about peeing on my partner any of those topics, kind of think about what the actual issue is and talk about that with your practitioner. And then also talk about it with your partner. Make sure that you feel comfortable enough to communicate with your partner about those types of things, because that is also going to lead to a much healthier and happier uh, intimate life. And then also, I always tell people sex and, and intimacy does not have to equal penetration. So, you know, there are lots of intimate things you can do with your partner if you don't feel like having full-on intercourse. Making out like teenagers is just as fun sometimes as the active active intercourse. So, you know, don't forget that there are other ways of showing affection and intimacy that you may be able to do that day, even if you feel like you can't, you know, go all the way to, to the full act. That's a great advice. And it actually reminded me too, you mentioned how important it is first and foremost to mention it to your doctors, but also be somewhat specific. The the more specific you are, the more likely they'll be able to help you. However, that can be very intimidating, especially if you've never vocalized it before. So it reminded me of a tip that I heard lots of my clients will write down all their symptoms that they've been feeling since their last appointment. And they'll give that piece of paper to their doctors. And I think that's just a phenomenal way of doing it. You don't have to say anything out loud, but write it down. Honestly, maybe even like highlight it if you want that to be one of the main topics you talk about. Yeah. I mean, I have encouraged my patients, you know, we have something called my chart where you can message your provider specifically. A lot of health systems will do that. And so you can do that ahead of time. Like if you're a little bit afraid to bring it up in face-to-face, you know, message your doctor ahead of time about this and say like, Hey, I really want to, you know, talk to you about this. Could you please bring it up? And that may open that door or allow the practitioner to bring it up to you. So you might feel a little bit more comfortable about it. 
Awesome. My last question for you is how common is sexual dysfunction in multiple sclerosis? Cause I know a lot of people feel like they're alone in this and therefore they're not, they're just not going to talk about it or bring it up. Yeah, it is fairly common. Over 50% of both men and women that have MS will experience some sort of sexual dysfunction. So you are not alone. Again, it is kind of a topic that people either don't feel comfortable talking about or feel embarrassed, or they just think that their practitioner doesn't care or doesn't have a solution for it. So that's why I always say, just speak up, you know, talk about it because one, you're not the only one that's going through it. And two, it is likely that your practitioner at least has something that they can offer you or some sort of solution. Great. Awesome. And Karina, where can people find you if they either want to work with you in person or just learn more from you? Yeah. So I am the American Academy of Pelvic Floor Physical Therapy. That is a website where they can both find me as a practitioner in the locations that I treat at. So it's aptapelvichealth.org. And that also is where you can find me as an instructor. So I instruct other pelvic floor physical therapists about these types of topics. And so my information is on there as well. Awesome. Karina, thank you so much. As always, I learn so much from you every time I listen to you present and talk to us. I appreciate you sharing your expertise with my listeners. So again, it's one of those topics that can be very uncomfortable, but I think after listening to this episode, people might feel more inspired and motivated to actually bring it up to their doctors. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you love this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.